This is a podcast by Queries on Sin. Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land on which the Sin HQ and studio stand, the Rwandari people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Welcome to Loud and Clear. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I am bisexual, and I am currently recording this on Boorong land, and that which was never ceded. And my name's Laura, my pronouns are they, them, I identify as non-binary and queer or bisexual, and I am recording from Wurundjeri land. Um, we at Loud and Queer would like to acknowledge that sovereignty would never, was never ceded. You can tweet us anytime during the show at SinLoud, that's S-Y-N Loud, on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find our Facebook page, Loud and Queer, and our Spotify and other streaming accounts are also under Loud and Queer. If you ever want to check out the show after it's gone live or check out any previous shows, you can check out our podcast on Omni, Spotify, or Apple Music. You can tune into the show every Sunday at 3pm on... 90.7 90.7 FM and sin.org.au. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to be talking about our regular news bulletin as well as going over some shows that we think have a bit too much subtext, not enough actual text, as well going through our froth or not. We're going to jump into our news bulletin now. This is all things LGBT in the news in the last week. Sarah Michelle Geller distanced herself from allegations of, of toxicity and hostility from Buffy the Vampire Slayer co-stars against director Joss Whedon. Uh, Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia Chase, and Amber Benson, who appeared in later seasons as Tara McClay, made allegations that Whedon created an environment of bullying. The relationship between the sidekick Willow and Tara was one of the first positive portrayals of a lesbian relationship on TV. Sarah Michelle Gellar said on Instagram that she would not be making any comments on the claims at this time, but that she stands with the survivors of, of abuse. The WNBA's first openly trans and non-binary player, Leisha Clarendon, with pronouns she, her, they, them, and he, him, has opened up about getting top surgery on January 13 in a heartfelt statement, according to Them News. On Friday, the New York Liberty Guard and activists shared an Instagram post featuring photos of them at the surgery clinic, proudly posing with their post-op chest. In the caption, they wrote, on Jan 13th at 10am, I hugged my wife in front of my surgery building, walked in and took a deep breath. The day was finally here, the day I got to have top surgery. After coming out as gay in January, Dance Mum star Jojo Siwa announced that she has a girlfriend. Her new partner is the most loving, supportive, happiest, protective and just the most beautiful person in the world and I get to call her mine, according to, according to Jojo. Just a warning for the upcoming story, it contains mention of possible transphobic violence. Alexis Braxton, aged 45, was the sixth transgender person to be found dead in the US in the first 35 days of 2021. Miami police are treating her death as a homicide. The Hollywood LGBTQ Council wrote in tribute on Facebook, Her life had so much value, and meaning and action must be taken in our communities to show that Black trans lives matter. We send our condolences to Miss Braxton's family and loved ones. If this story caused you any distress or concern, please call Lifeline at 131114 
QLife at 1-800-184-527 or the Kids Helpline at 1-800-55-1800. Now we're going to jump into a topic that's a bit of an extension from last week. Um, we spoke about the sort of accidentally queer tones in uh, a couple of our favourite TV shows or movies. Um, my co-host Elizabeth talked about um, Merlin or the, I think it's the, is it Martha, the ship name? Martha. And I had a little bit of a... a chat about Thelma and Louise um and something that you said Elizabeth last week made me laugh so hard which was too much subtext and not enough text and (laughs) I think that's a great theme or a very common theme in um many many LGBT movies and TV shows um but could you explain a little bit more about what you meant by that yeah well obviously like I think I've got a long way to learn in more like in catching up in more in more media and everything but a lot of shows these days that I do see and get uh, that get passed around as good queer representation often don't meet the mark at all either they were shows that like in the past would have been a like fantastic example of representation and been definitely very groundbreaking but these days it's just not good enough it's like we should be past the point. Like it's 2021. There's a lot of problems, obviously, still in the world. But we should be past the point of having two women holding hands and being like, "Oh my god!" Like there's more to it than that. Like I made a little list after we talked about it yes last week, just about a bunch of different tropes that I've seen in regards to queer representation in media. That at this point, I'm just very tired of. <laughs> what are uh, what tropes uh like what really grinds your gears like which ones Ooh. well I we'll just jump straight into the first one which just gets which grinds my gears and the gears of a lot of people I think at this point um the bury your gaze trope um the this trope is basically all about how you would notice in a lot of different media how the characters that are either gay bisexual or just in like in a loving relationship with someone either of the same sex or that don't identify as either just people that generally identify as queer they die a lot it's like out of all the characters that you meet 99.9 percent of the time there's always a chance that they're going to be the one that gets the axe which Mm. and in shows obviously death is going to happen in shows it can happen it can be a great twist it can be all sorts of things but when it happens exclusively just to your queer representation in a show it gets very tiring very fast it Mm -hmm. it sends this it sends this really negative implication that like queer people don't get to have a long happy life that it's that they're always doomed to be miserable, which isn't a fun message to send out. <laughs> yeah, and this also kind of plays into queer baiting as well, I think, because you could spend like you could spend seasons and seasons watching a show 
knowing that they're queer baiting you that maybe one day they'll they'll get these two characters together that have a lot of chemistry on screen and then I think it happened in the 100 that tv it's like a sci-fi tv show I haven't Mm -hmm. seen it I watched the first couple episodes and another trope that happens uh is like POC characters being killed off that is the other big problem all minorities and I saw the first couple episodes of like the one I saw the first couple episodes of the 100 and I think they killed off three black people and I was just sitting there thinking I'm not finishing this but I did hear that they spent a few seasons building up this like very intense sapphic relationship um which like held out on on the characters from actually getting together and they finally did and then one of them just died like straight after yeah, exactly. There's. So. I never watched the the 100 myself. I heard about this happening from my sister because she was the one who was like really into watching it and everything before she kind of fell mm. out of it. But it happens like even when we like it, it can happen quite frequently in a lot of different shows, and to the point where you might not even be aware of it until you really look into it and go, "Hey, wait a minute!" Like mm. one show that I know was especially that became basically infamous for this trope when it happened would have been Voltron, the DreamWorks animated reboot of the show. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. They got when the new season was about to come out for one of the when one of the new seasons was about to come out, it was getting very hyped up and being defined as revolutionary because, oh, the show is including this character who happened to be the ex-boyfriend of one of the other male characters, I believe. I'm not too sure about that exactly, but that's what I believe. But it definitely introduced a gay man to the show. And I think Mm -hmm. they were in one episode, I believe, before immediately getting killed off. So that, yeah, and that really very, very quickly aggravated a lot of people to the show. I know a lot of people dropped the show straight up afterwards. It finish but the show basically lives on in infamy for that and how it just blatantly did pull the bury gays trope and queer baited them because it brought in this idea of having a having a gay character become part of the main cast and then just immediately axe them Mm. and it sends a message to young lgbt people that you won't survive if you come out right which is not a nice message for people growing up and realizing their identities and I think this actually comes from um censorship of things like uh fiction novels and uh pulp fiction in the U.S. so um there's a really common this is the same trope where um you'd get lesbian pulp fiction in the US, which was cheap paperback books you buy at gas stations and things. And they came out in the 50s sort of to the 80s. And mm. um, before that, LGBT stories just weren't allowed to be printed, right, because they were banned under censorship laws in the US and I think in the UK as well. And so yeah. when they finally weren't censored anymore, there was still this uh, systemic issue I think with publishing houses where they wouldn't publish anything where gay people had a happy ending they wouldn't publish trans people as anything other than you know monstrous or freakish or whatever mm. um, so they'd either end up killing off these people 
Um, or if there was a lesbian relationship, it would be titillating and it would be through the male gaze. But then one of the women would die or one of them would return to their male boyfriend. And so any norms they did subvert uh, kind of was reined back in by the male gaze or the male interest, I suppose, in those kinds of books because they were pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's interesting to see how that probably translated pretty easily over into script writing for movies and TV shows. Yeah, like even then when you're bringing that up, just like that's another big trope that can get frustrating after a while is just like the hyper over-sexualization of queer characters because like Mm -hmm. I was going to bring this up a little bit later and everything is just kind of a simple like a simple fact of like yes it is good how more representation is being brought into light being like people that are coming out as gay bisexual or lesbian or in rarer cases transgender we're still working on trying to bring more representation into light but there is more than just that. There are asexual people, there are non-binary people, there are agender, there are demisexual, aromantic. There's, that's only like a small list. There's so many other like identities that exist in the world that deserve to have more representation. Mm. And just like this over hypersexualization of just like the, of just like just two women that love one another is very, it's disappointing and just also quite degrading to those women as well because, like, it's sad how, like, the only way they can exist is in is through that male gaze, as you said. So it's this idea of, like, mm. this, like, it's just a very, it's just a shame that that's, like, still something that's such a huge problem today and it's something that mm. really needs to be changed. Like, you can have just a queer couple that, love one another without having to be sexual about it Mm. um yeah definitely I think that's a thing to remember is that sexuality does not have to involve you know your or it does not have to make your entire life or your character's life revolve around sex with their partner or partners um it's it's just a part of them and they're a multifaceted person and they can have other storylines in shows that aren't focused on coming out and having sex, gay sex for the first time. I like those storylines. I think they're fun. I think they're interesting. I think it's good to have those coming of age storylines for people, but um, it can be tiring when it's repeated and it's repeated badly by straight directors. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah as you're saying like those shows those movies and shows like that can be very sweet but when it's all you get of representation it can be it can be tiring not every people aren't tied to when they come out sometimes people that when they come out it can be a very emotional volatile experience and other times it can just be a case of like oh I'm gay okay like obviously that's it's it's Mm -hmm. the experience is different for everyone and it and it's not that it's not like coming out as whatever you identify as isn't like where your story ends like there's more to your life than just that like when you come out life still goes on for everyone and goes on for yourself and you live your own life so it's not like like life doesn't end after you come out Mm. 
Yeah, and I think another thing about that is, or something I liked about, um, have you seen Sabrina? Yes, I have. The new Sabrina. I liked how they had Theo's storyline and it, you know, continued. Like, his life kept going. There were other things about transition and dysphoria and it was it was really solid because he still had other things going on and he had a relationship and he had his friends and he had all this other stuff happening, but he also came out as trans and that was, you know, nice and a big deal, but they didn't make it a big deal for the entirety of the show. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, yeah, like that's like, that's like a fantastic example of that. Like it's like, this is. Cool. Yeah. Despite any of the other random trash on Sabrina. I love Sabrina, but it's so silly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are we going for time? I still uh, I think we've been on this for like 15 minutes. So do you want to jump to an ad? Uh, sorry, not an ad, a song. Yeah, sure. And we can just do your last couple of points. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I'll kind of, yeah, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, awesome. After that. Cool. Um, So we're going to jump to a song break now. This is Everything's Better Without You by Kira Peru. Okay, so just just that song? Yeah. Uh, You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. My name is Elizabeth with my co-host Laura. Uh, You just heard the song Everything's Better Without You by Kira Peru. Um, and we're just going to jump back into our, our previous segment that we were talking about, um, just a lot of different tropes in in media and regarding to queer representation that really grind my gears. We'll grind your gears, Elizabeth. <laughs> um, what are your biggest pet peeves? Um, Tell us some more. <laughs> um, I guess the one of the other big ones that is – tiring for me and I think for a lot of people as well is what I call last minute inclusion I don't know if that's the proper term for it but that's what I like to call it where it's Mm. representation that is incredibly minor or like just virtually non-existent originally when like in some media when like when media was much more restricted in what it could be in regards to queer relationships and queer representation I think was a good thing, like dropping a bombshot at the last minute of like, oh, actually this character you've known this whole time is actually is actually queer. Like that could that was good mm-hmm. for a time, but I think we are well past the point of that being all we can get. Like, mm. like here's a here's a good example I think of that. It's like you know uh, the Legend of Korra. Yeah. Like spoilers for that show but at the very end of it it's ambiguously implied at the very end that Cora and Asami get into a relationship and it is mm. confirmed eventually by the creators and in later comics that yes they are in a relationship but just walking together holding hands that isn't direct confirmation in the show wise like people that mm. are overtly against it can just say oh no they're just really good friends like it's just gals being pals exactly it just feels like it's very last minute it's the kind of thing that oh if they need to censor it they can pull it out straight away and nothing's changed like it's very it feels like a very last minute throw in which 
is mm. tiring and it's annoying. Like I think Disney's probably the biggest exam, the biggest, the, the worst case offender of, of this. Just criminals. Yeah. <laughs> Virtually, like it's because like genuine question to you and like the audience, how many times have you heard an article by Disney talking about how revolutionary it is that they include a a queer person or a queer couple in the background? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, it is exhausting. I see it, I see it and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I click on the article and there's maybe one line confirming that they maybe have a partner that's maybe the same sex as them or they have a picture. This is just a random thing I'm making up, but they'll have like a picture of them with their spouse, like in the background of the movie. And it's just so disappointing. The children will not be scarred if they find out that someone has two dads in a Disney movie. Yeah, exactly. They won't. Like it gets to a point where like that kind of thing, it's just like, sure, it was good for a time, but it's not good enough now. Like you have some. It just isn't good enough because think of all the like sexualized jokes, like heteronormative jokes in things like Shrek, um, How to Train Your Dragon, so many movies for kids. They, They pepper in those jokes for adults. Yeah. And they assume that it goes over kids' heads. So why can't there be a queer couple that's just casually in there being, you know, a good example for the kids living their lives? Um, it's no more it's no more messed up or it's no more challenging than those, you know, adult jokes that are already in those movies. It's just like, hey, I want to have some representation that includes me having just being a person and having a happy life. It's suddenly that's too much to ask for. One that I don't see on your list, which I think is less common than any of these, but pretty dangerous, although I think it was probably a lot more common in the 20th century, is the queer villain, which can be pretty toxic you know you see it in like the rocky horror picture show and outlander yeah you see it in outlander um where like sodomy is the worst thing you can do to a person and obviously rape is bad we're not saying sexual assault is okay but the choice to make that your only queer representation is questionable to me yeah no i def i 100 percent agree like if you like if you go onto like TV tropes or something like there is there are so so many different tropes of gay people out there like well tra- queer queer folk out there like it's it's very it's very disheartening like some of them are just like fine like okay that's just like something a lot of that's something you see of a character and it can be like oh yeah like I remember one trope I saw had there was just like the the trope of like someone flirting with a character and then being like oh actually I'm gay like Tropes like that, like they can be, they can be fine. They're funny, but like that was like tro- the trope of queer ca- characters being played as villains was very much there a lot. Like the like the psychopathic bisexual, like so many different, yeah, like the like the like the very like being very murderous or dangerous. It's like okay. The villainous bisexual is like the worst thing. Ugh. 
<laughs> because gays perpetuate it too. Like, it's not exclusive to straights, that one. Like, like as we've been talking about, like, queer people are people. We're not, they're not villains. They're not depraved monsters that, like, seek, that, like, seek to hurt people, that, like, just want sex whenever they want. Like, it's not, like, they're people. They have their own thoughts, their own goals. They can be, God, what am I, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, it's just, it's frustrating when that is the only, like, with that kind of representation. It's not as common, obviously, these days because, like, yeah, representation is becoming, I say a bit more. we still got a long, long way to go. But, like, as, like, queer representation becomes more into the spotlight, hopefully, like, that trope of the only queer person being the villain, hopefully that can just die, <laughs> that can stay dead. Hopefully all these tropes can stay dead, honestly. Like, <laughs> bury your gays, bury the tropes. I think what I'm saying is if queer people are portrayed in a variety of ways, then one bad queer person or one flamboyant queer person or one, um, you know, very piney lesbian uh, <laughs> is not going to you know, ruin or affect people's perception of queer people. Yeah, because you've got other representation to show, hey, people are, come in all sorts of varieties and, you know. It's not a toxic, it's, yeah, it does, it's not an umbrella description of them, like. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, that ties... That actually ties into like the last trope I wanted to talk about. Actually, um, it's mo- it's a more specific trope, but I think it is a very important trope, which is like tying into the whole monster thing is non-human queer characters. Because yeah, because like obviously, like I get non-human characters. Like if you have a character that happens to be a vampire that likes like. If you have a vampire character that really likes women, like that's fine, all power to you. But like, there's not all mon- like it's just like a very it's it's a toxic mindset. The idea of like being queer is monstrous in some sort of way. Like, I think like like more specific, I think examples are like like characters like like for like a, a good example of that trope, uh, the non-binary shapeshifter, like it's like. Or well, even just like non-binary characters not being human at all, like they're like they're either like an alien or they're a robot. It's like humans can be non-binary too. That's not that's <laughs> a thing. Like crazy concept, mm. I know, but mm. yeah, I've um I have a very interesting different perspective on this. I think oh, oh I think no. it's really interesting that there are different perspectives on this because. I do agree that, you know, sort of typecasting a sexuality or gender identity as some kind of creature can be not great for their representation. But when it's done by a person who identifies with that gender or sexuality, it can, it, you know, historically has actually been a really interesting way for people to claim that identity 
because for people who are sort of outside the margins of acceptability, so say, you know, um, in the the gay rights movement, um, white, cis, gay people were the most acceptable and so they often use that privilege to gain leverage in their rights, whereas a lot of, you know, POC or trans people or bi people um, or non-binary people actually couldn't. Um, they couldn't, like, step away from that identity and so they couldn't gain that same kind of privilege and so they ended up actually embracing irrespectability, I suppose you could say. And there's some really interesting discourse about things like Dracula being, you know, bisexual um, and I think other people relating to, uh, you know, like Frankenstein as a gay character or... There's so many, but there's this really interesting book called Gothic Queer Culture by a queer person in New York, a queer writer, and it explains a lot of this, and I think it's such an interesting topic that we should probably cover all together in another episode. I think think so too. Like, 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 we can probably wrap it up there, but I will just say, like, I do agree with you there. Like, it's a very diverse topic, and, like, it's good to hear, like, that view of it as well because, like, I myself, like, I am a, I am a cis woman. Like, it's it's very like that view is also very different like and I've also see that view on it as well like again again like yeah there's two sides right and it's really quite an interesting conversation yeah exactly like it's like on one hand like there can be more representation than just like queer people being monsters but on other hand big scary vampire please step on me (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) freaking mood like Seriously, lesbian vampires. I hate that they were created through the male gaze, but wow, they're hot. <laughs> oh my god, you have no idea how hot I am for Resident Evil. I don't even like horror games, but god. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to chat about it. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. My name is Elizabeth with my co-host Laura. We're going to jump into our segment, Froth or Not, which is basically us discussing just things that have happened in the week to us that we think are either, well, good or bad. So what was what did you froth this week, Elizabeth? Yeah, well, um, I felt a bit nostalgic. Well, I say nostalgic with, with quotation marks because it's not exactly an old game. Um, but, like, I, for one, like, I really love the Assassin's Creed franchise, so I decided to go back and play one of my favourite games from that. Like, my favourite one will always be, like, the second game, but one of the other games, the more modern games from the franchise that I really love is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I spent a lot of time replaying that game, which was a lot of fun. I love playing as Cassandra, playing as big, strong mercenary, travelling around Greece, romancing who she chooses. (laughs) Nice. That sounds so good. I haven't actually played it. It's good. Like you can just you can just jump right into it. Like you can you can love whoever you want and it's great. Oh. Well, so long as they have the option to, but mm. uh, regardless. Did you find some cute girlfriends out there? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> or boyfriends or joy friends. Well, I found both. Some <laughs> I I think my biggest disappointment where there was like one of the characters like that works to be a best friend mm. no romance option because I was like god damn it oh. but 
<laughs> but they have such a great they have such a great bromance though. Such oh, a great cute. bromance. I love that. I love a we talked about that last week as well, you know. Same sex friendships are just as important as same sex relationships. We did, we did. So wholesome. <laughs> like it's one of those options in the game that they've brought in that's just like it's not a big feature, but it's a nice feature. Yeah, yeah. You can appreciate it for what it is. Exactly. Mm. I I don't play a lot of video games, but I always loved The Legend of Zelda, and I think it's because I always thought Link was non-binary, and that was great because Link had, you know, his cute girlfriend Zelda there. And Honestly, I've always, had canon to, I, I've always had canon Link as non-binary. He's, they I, have just... <laughs> such a good energy like such they a good fanboy I love it um yeah what about you like what are some like what's something that you froth or not this week this week I really frothed it's a sin the new tv show on Stan oh, yeah. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else but I, I had a lot of fun watching it I definitely had a few criticisms but Overall, quite a good show. Um, outlines how the HIV epidemic um, affected the UK and this group of sort of, you know, young gay people and their friends who uh, party, you know, are big in the party scene in the 80s in, in London and how it slowly sort of starts affecting their circle and the fear, the unknowability of it, the stigma, um, what it means to be visible at protests like that when it's pretty, I don't know if it was illegal to be gay at that time, but it was, it was fairly like, um, it could have been, seen, it, it was, it was very bad, like to mm. be able to come out during that time, which mm. is very sad, but yeah, like I've I've heard that. Like my family recently has got stands, so I've been like, okay, what do I need to watch on this? So that mm. one's that one's on the list. Definitely, it's a sin, but it does it has this sort of impending sense of doom as it follows one of the main characters, and I felt mm. anxious the whole time because I, you know, <laughs> when you just have that rising anxiety and you know what's coming and the show's pointing you in that direction you're just thinking oh no oh no that's that's just my life yeah <laughs> just I kid I kid I kid you just yeah it's a it's a good show um I, d- I have a couple of criticisms I'm I haven't read other reviews and I am a white person just so people know but I did think some of the treatment of um one of the POC characters was a little bit lazy because he only sort of exists for the personal growth or like as a love interest for the white main character. That's mm. a, there are a couple of really um, interesting nuanced black characters on the show. Um, so it really just, yeah, it's, it's a little on and off. But um, other than that, I liked it. If you ever want to get in contact, you can contact our socials on Twitter and Instagram at SinLoud, that's at S-Y-N-Loud, and on Facebook at Loud and Queer. If you want to listen to this show again, you can hear us on any major podcast streaming services. That's Omni, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can catch our news bulletin on our Instagram page. Today we chatted about too much subtext and not enough text in queer media. Uh, Plenty of tropes to go around. You can listen to that on the podcast again. And our Froth or Nots, which were It's a Sin, the new queer TV show that's out. And and Elizabeth had Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, thanks for tuning into the show. I uh, hope you had a great. What am I saying? Thanks for tuning into the show. Hope you're having a great day and a great Valentine's Day. If you ever want to check out any of the music that we played during today, um, you can check out our Spotify playlist, that, which is the Loud and Queer Mixtape Season One, Twenty One. Next week, we'll be featuring interviews with queer musicians who have put out new music. We're going to be talking to Brisbane artist Hope D and LA-based non-binary artist Claude. Sunday Sweets is back in 2021. You can hear all the... You can hear our feature album and Sweet 16 music at 5pm every Sunday evening. We'll see you next Sunday at 3. I'm Laura with my co-host here, Elizabeth. Signing off. Queries is a show on Sin Nation, run by gender diverse, LGBTQI, ace and arrow youth. Visit sin.org.au slash Q-U-E-E-R-I-E-S for our podcasts.